Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I'm Mark Anthony, and this is Demolition News Radio, episode 93. In this episode, my porn career. You're listening to Demolition News Radio. What with the second anniversary of the Didcot disaster and the infighting and backbiting that's permeating through the National Federation of Demolition Contractors at present, I'm very conscious of the fact that this show has been a bit serious of late, a bit lacking in levity. And so I thought I'd take you back, way back, back to a time before the internet, back to a time when we men had to work to get our hands on pornography. I'll tell you now, there is no demolition content in this episode whatsoever. So if you're here just for that, you might want to leave now. To subscribe to the Demolition Magazine, just head over to demolitionnewsstore.com. If you've grown up with the internet, what I'm about to tell you will be a revelation as profound as the fact that TV has not always been in colour. If you're of a certain age like me, however, then please join me as we take a trip down memory lane to look at my relatively brief but very lucrative career in the porn industry. Back when I was a teenager, and it pains me to say that that was in the last century, porn held something of a mythical status. Some of us claimed to have been in the presence of porn, but very few of us could actually prove it. There was the occasional girly magazine, generally stolen from an older brother or careless father, that did the rounds at my high school. But such a treat came by with roughly the frequency of Halley's Comet. The advent of the video recorder promised to change all that. But like the dog-eared magazines that preceded them, those early VHS tapes were about as attainable as Enlightenment itself. But those tapes and their almost universal scarcity is where my story begins. Demolition News Radio, the independent voice of the global demolition industry. It was the early 1990s and I was going to work for a week in Amsterdam, home of the Tulip Market, the Cannabis Museum, and a city containing enough porn videos to send even the strongest man blind. My friends were aware of my forthcoming trip and they made it very clear that I would not be welcome at the pub unless I returned clutching bags of freshly harvested Dutch pornography. I did my five days work in the city and, being the good friend that I am, I took myself off to the city's famous red light district before I set off for the airport and for home. It didn't take long for me to find a shop that stocked precisely the kind of thing I was looking for. I remember the shop distinctly. It was long and narrow and L-shaped with the deeper part of the store veering off to the right. Now this was pre-DVD days and so VHS tapes were stacked, library style, from floor to ceiling. I remember that the content of those tapes on display seemed to grow stronger the further into the shop I moved. By the entrance it was just straight everyday run-of-the-mill porn. A bit further along, it was girl on girl, then films featuring group sex. I'll be honest, I never looked at what was on display around the L-shaped corner. I was already afraid of what I might encounter. So anyway, I'd gathered together five or six VHS tapes that I thought would be to the lads' tastes, and I headed for the checkout. And then it occurred to me. I was about to pay the Dutch equivalent of about £20 for each tape, and as far as I knew, these tapes might just be blank. Despite my English reserve, when I got to the counter I asked the shop assistant if there was some way I could check the contents. Sure, he said in perfect English, follow me. He led me to the rear of the shop, down at the far end of the L shape of horrors, where there were a couple of booths. 
I went in one of them. There was a small chair, a TV, a video recorder, and a box of Kleenex. Now, I know what you're thinking, but unfortunately, I wasn't. So I cracked open the tapes, slid each into the VCR, and watched about 20 seconds before fast-forwarding, merely to satisfy myself that the contents were as advertised on the packaging, that they did what they said on the tin, so to speak. Having proved to myself that the tapes were kosher, I packed them back up and returned to the checkout. That was quick, the assistant said, clearly puzzled. They're fine, I replied, the presence and purpose of the Kleenex still not registering in my brain. I paid and left and about a hundred metres down the road, it hit me precisely what that booth was designed for. I literally turned and turned again on the spot. Should I return to the shop and reassure the assistant that I'd been merely browsing and not testing his wares? Eventually, I cursed my stupidity and naivety and headed for the airport. Demolition News Radio is the podcast of demolitionnews.com and the Demolition Magazine. I got back to the UK and handed out the tapes to my friends whilst recounting my sorry tale. You should write that down, said one of my old school friends. I'm sure a magazine would print that. Now, I was working as a journalist at this point. I knew my way around a typewriter, and I knew my way around the publishing world. And so, without even considering for one second precisely what kind of magazine might print this kind of story, I wrote it down. And when I finished it, I sent it to a bunch of well-known adult magazines here in the UK, expecting a stony silence in response. Just a few days later, however, I received a message from one of those magazines, Fiesta, for those old enough to remember it, who not only said that they would publish the story, but they'd pay me £400 for the privilege. When the magazine came out, I was sent one copy along with my cheque for the £400. I then went to the local newsagent and bought half a dozen more copies just to show the lads at the pub. But my brief career in porn was over. Or so I thought. A few weeks later, I received a phone call from the publisher of Fiesta's sister publication, Razzle. We're starting a new column in the magazine, and we'd like your help if you have the time, she said. We receive dozens of letters each week from apparently well-hung men claiming to have slept with an entire women's netball team, or to have serviced the local nunnery, and we all know it's nonsense. We'd like our new column to be a bit more honest. We're going to call it Crap Shag Corner, and we'd like you to write the first one. I didn't even stop to consider quite why they thought I might be the best person to write a column called Crap Shag Corner. Instead, I sat down to think about the kind of sexual disasters that drunken friends share at the pub. You know, the sort of story that should never be aired publicly. Well, I wrote the first column, and I was paid. A few weeks later, I was asked if I could write another one, using different names this time. And then the next month, the same thing again. Apparently, the original idea was that I would write the first two or three, and then readers, encouraged by my honesty and transparency, would join in and send their stories too. The magazine never once received a contribution from a reader. I single-handedly had that column for just under four years before the publisher finally admitted defeat. And Razzle magazine was the most reliable freelance writing customer I've ever had. But, you know, Porn's loss was demolition's gain. Thanks for listening. Demolition News Radio, dedicated to demolition.